Zion. So pleased you could join us here today. Phil Brown here, Fiona Brown here, she's drawing a picture. Um, and we're continuing our Alive series, which is about who we are and why we are. And the purpose of this series is that you should know who God made you to be and what your assignment is in order to bring Him glory wherever you find Himself. And today's message is called God's Masterpiece. And we find that in Ephesians 2 verse 10. And in the New Living Translation, it says this, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And you see, this verse contains both who we are and why we are. And so if we look at the first bit, it says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that's the who we are bit of that verse. And then the last bit says, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. And that's the why we are. So let's start with the who we are. For we are God's masterpiece. What does this mean? Masterpiece. Now if you've got a different Bible translation in front of you, you might find it's a different word. Uh, in the New International Version, it says we are God's handiwork. In the Contemporary English Bible, God's accomplishment workmanship if you've got the New King James Version, or of course in this New Living Translation, God's masterpiece. Well in the Greek, that word is poma, poma, and we get our word poem from this word pioma, and in fact in the message translation it says we are God's poetry, um, taking root of that word poema. Now, it doesn't really, really matter how you translate it. What it's talking about is excellent in artistry. That God is a master craftsman and we are his finest work. That we are made in his image. Um, Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So is that what Ephesians 2.10 is talking about? The fact that we are made in his image and therefore we are his masterpiece. Well it's not actually. There's an element to it but we're going to get back to that a bit later. Or the fact that maybe by being God's masterpiece, the fact that we, he was involved in our very formation. If we read Psalm 139, it says this, You made all the delicate innermost parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous. How well I know it. 
So if you look at a, a little baby, I mean they're so adorable aren't they? I'm going to put a photo up now of Fiona when she first met her baby sister Angela. And you know, oh so cute. Oh she was, I remember that day she came in, she was so excited to see this little baby. And, and of course she had to poke her to make sure that she was there. But yeah, uh, but babies are so cute. You look at a little baby and you think, oh yes, this is God's masterpiece. You look at um, Ephesians 2.10, oh it's, that must be what it's talking about. A cute little baby, God's masterpiece. And yes, that does demonstrate God's handiwork, it does demonstrate God's creative being. But, but no, you see the verse in Ephesians 2.10 doesn't highlight our physical existence depending on God's creative power, but rather it highlights or emphasizes our new identity in Christ. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us, us anew in Christ Jesus. So it's talking about being made new in Christ Jesus. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I want to circle back to it being us being made new. But first I want to look at the second half of the verse. The why we are. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. To understand this, we need to go back to the previous two verses. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. You see, verse 10 talks about the good works that God has prepared in advance for us. But verse 8 and 9 remind us of God's grace. So whatever we do, whatever God's called us to do, whatever those good works are, it's not because of our salvation. We're not earning our salvation. We are doing those good things because God loved us so therefore we love him and what's more he's put his love for other people in our heart so therefore whatever we do we're working because of the love in our heart not to earn favor with God because God already favored us. So what are these good works prepared in advance to do? Well Whereabouts are you now? You see, God can use you to bring his glory in whatever your current context is. And in fact, Phil Strong has done a message on this called Your Context is Your Calling. And that's coming up later in the series. Uh, but I had a sneak peek. I hacked into our YouTube and, and I watched it. And it's a great message. So um, yeah, just keep an eye out for that coming in a few weeks time. But what it's saying is where you are now is where God is calling you to do a good work for him. Colossians chapter 3 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So here it's saying, whatever you do, 
work for God in it. It might be mowing your lawn, do it for God. It might be working for your employers, do it, the employer, do it for God. It might be raising your family, do it for God. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God in all things. You see, there's this myth about the sacred versus the secular. And that's where it says that the things of God like church and going to church on Sunday, uh, are sacred you know they're the holy things and then there's a marketplace which is everything else and that's not holy that's not sacred well that is a myth because Jesus Christ redeemed everything and in all things we do we are to give glory to God there's no division between the sacred and the secular uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 says this rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus you see I work as a veterinarian for four days a week I work for a veterinary practice and I work one day a week for the church now I want to ask you this question is the one day I work for the church of more value in God's eyes than the four days I work for a veterinary practice and I'm gonna say no I'm gonna say no it's not you see God has called me to where I am at at the moment and that would be one day a week for the church and I'm hoping that I'm bringing a good work to glorify him and in that and that through what I'm doing you will be built up and, um, and and grow in your faith through what I'm doing at the church and that God's kingdom would advance but you know what I'm hoping that God's kingdom will advance for me working as a veterinarian too you see when I'm working for the church I'm mostly preaching to the converted most of you know Jesus Christ already and you have that relationship where you can access him to call him into your needs but when I work in the, as a veterinarian I'm I'm running into people all the time that don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know uh, the love and that God wants to work in their lives too. And that I'm able to bring wisdom. I'm able to bring hope into that environment. Um, and God's called me to that environment. And so yes, there is value in me being a veterinarian. And that is what God has called me to do at the moment. And so that is where I have to um, commit what I do to him. And pray that he will be glorified by what I'm doing there. So yeah, it's part of God's plan. He said he's got good works that are planned for us in advance. Um, so he's, what, where you are now is where he's planned you to be. Um, the, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, a well-known verse says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's a nice verse, isn't it? It's often quoted, um, and we say that, oh, that's such a nice thing to say. But what we forget is that's actually given to the people before their city is destroyed and before they're taken as captives to a foreign land. Um, yeah, and so here they are. Yes, God's got good plans for them, but their immediate future didn't look that bright. But he was letting them know that despite what was going to happen, he still had a good plan for them. And even 
in that foreign land, he called them to serve him there. In fact, the book of Esther and the book of Daniel are both written about and by people who are in captivity serving a foreign um, king. And yet, God uses them powerfully in both circumstances. So it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing, God has good things he's planned for us long ago for us to do, that God can use you right where you are. And I think now is a great time to pause the video and to reflect and discuss what the current situations are around you that needs God's touch. And as you discuss them, I think another good idea would be to pray into them and also pray that you would have wisdom in what God would call you to do in that circumstance. Might be bringing a word, it might just simply your presence and, and your comfort for people that are in there. Uh, but I'm sure you've all got situations you know about and are surrounding you where God's touch is needed. So pause the video and have a discussion amongst yourself about that. Right, I hope you had a, a great reflection time there and prayer time. Uh, but let's move back to the first part of the verse. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ. You see, just as the second part of verse 10 needed the context to understand it, so does the we are God's masterpiece. You see, Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace. And in the middle part of verse 10, it says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. And so what it's saying here is that that masterpiece actually is not referring to when we are born, but when we are born again because of that grace of Jesus Christ. It's talking about by grace you are saved and therefore you are God's masterpiece about when we are born again, not when we're born. And let's read John 3. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. You see, Jesus makes a statement to Nicodemus that seems impossible. How can you be born again? Nicodemus was certainly confused, so Jesus goes on to explain it more. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of spirit and water. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it's, it is with everyone born of the spirit. Jesus is not saying our bodies need rebirth, but our spirits need rebirth. You see, Romans 6.33 says this, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, you see, we were all separated from God because of our sin. And it's saying here in Romans. But God's gift, His grace, comes from 
Jesus dying on the cross and it's through the cross that we are, can be born again, that we can be made new, that our spirits can come to life because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And you see, birth is a painful process. You see, when I met my wife, Deborah, actually, she was working as a midwife. And we were around about that age, early 30s, where everyone around us was having babies. And people would find out that Deborah was a midwife. And these women that here, she's a midwife, so they'd immediately start talking about these birth stories. Oh, they're horrible. And, and I have a zero, zero tolerance for birth stories because of, of that, that, that time of my life. And in fact, I'm sure it's a beautiful baby. I'm sure it was horrible. But look, I really don't want to know. And if people were discussing it, I'll go to another room because I really don't want to hear. I mean, babies are cute, but you don't really want to think about how they got there. Unless, of course, it's a birth story about a cow giving birth to a calf. I could talk about that for a long time, being a veterinarian. And um, yeah, I do a lot of those. Okay, but... Jesus alludes to the fact that birth is a painful process in John 16. When a woman give, is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So here Jesus is talking about him going to the cross and the fact that the disciples will be sad because of Jesus is leaving them. But he's going to come back again and they will rejoice. But he makes this analogy that birth is a painful process and likewise us being reborn is also a painful process but not for us that pain was a pain of Jesus Christ on the cross you see Isaiah 53 says he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins he was beaten so we could be whole he was whipped so we could be healed you see, that pain of childbirth, that pain of our spirits being born again was born by Jesus Christ on the cross. That through Jesus and through him dying on the cross, we can be made new. We can be born again. Our spirits could come to life. And that is what Ephesians is talking about when it says God's masterpiece his greatest work his wonderful thing was done was Jesus dying on the cross his greatest work allowing us to be born that born again that was done the day of the cross for we are Christ's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's watching this or listening to this. I pray they would know the joy of being born again in you. And Lord, that they would know that wherever they are or whatever they are doing, that they can serve you in that situation. Pray your every blessing over us in Jesus' mighty name. Is your masterpiece finished, Fiona? Basically. <laughs> Do you want to show it to the camera? Just hold it, hold it up where it is. Awesome.